Maybe you have other famous lines from great Christmas movies. You'll poke your eye out about the, about the BB gun. Or every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's a wonderful one. The current most watched on television, at least, the current most watched uh, Christmas movie is Elf. It's everywhere, okay? It's everywhere. So Elf, uh, it's not maybe one big line, but it's where uh, when you sing Santa Claus is coming to town, it revives the Christmas spirit, which fuels Santa's sleigh, and it revives the Christmas spirit in New York City, of all places for Christmas spirit. Uh, and so Santa's sleigh is repaired because people start singing, Santa Claus is coming to town. Well, that's a great line. I mean, in... in I think you walk away from the movie, you better watch out, you better not, okay? Because you think, hey, that's the Christmas spirit. Can I just share one thing that amazes me? Uh, In all of these Christmas movies, except for a a very few, uh, there's nothing about Jesus and there's nothing about the virgin birth. It's all about the season and how we as a culture have taken up this season and put in so many... uh, and I don't mean this in a bad way, so many secular practices uh, and, and traditions that in, it's very easy for Jesus to be sort of squeezed out, or not intentionally, just never mentioned, because there's so much going on. That's one reason why this Christmas season we're inviting you to uh, to join with us and watch what I call the original Christmas story. It's got Mary and Joseph in it, Okay. And it's really, really good. Um, and it's called the Christmas, the Christmas experience. Yeah, we're going to follow both the historical and the heavenly account of how God becomes a man through the lives of Mary, a virgin, and Joseph, who did not have sexual relationships with his wife to that time. And the whole account and, and all the hardships about giving birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. Friends, it's a supernatural account. If you were to go to uh, uh, in c- categories of movies, this one would be called religious by some and fantasy by others because it's right up there with the lion and the witch in the wardrobe for all they're concerned. And yet through this, we understand God's genius that he uses two rural teenagers to accomplish his eternal cosmic plan. We're in our third week. And uh, that means that after this message, we invite you to go and, and look at the video. Uh, and, and at the Connect Center, you can find out how to, uh, to how to get on to uh, Right Now Ministries. But we invite you to go and to get right onto it and, and, and to watch in further detail what I'm explaining to you today. Our first week, we were looking at how God executes his perfect plan. And he does it through his perfect timing. And yet, on our end, it doesn't seem perfect at all. We have our first look at Mary and Joseph and the small lives that they are living. And yet, they are small lives being prepared for God's huge work. The second week, we see Mary. Again, as a young teenager, preparing for marriage in the usual way until God disrupts her life and the rest of her life with his plan for the virgin birth for humanity's salvation. 
And as I said the first week, Christmas only really works if those involved humble themselves to accept God's plan for their lives. The Christmas story is all about God's honor, but it's also about human humility. Those who wouldn't humble themselves to accept God's plan miss it. They have no idea what God is doing at that moment. So at the end of this uh, edition, the one that we were watching last week, Mary gives this statement. I am the Lord's servant. I don't have all my questions. That's not in there, but I don't have all my questions answered. But may it be unto me as you have said. Then later she writes a song of praise to God because God has chosen her to bring about the Savior of the world. So this third week, after Mary, of course, we focus on Joseph and the acceptance that it, uh, or the growing acceptance that, that it takes in him to also accept God's plan. Mary is called God's favored one. That's how the angel describes her. That's a title he gives her. If Mary is the favored one, then Joseph is God's faithful one. And what do I mean by faithful? We see Mary in a dialogue with an angel. We see Mary writing a song. We see Mary living several months with her cousin Elizabeth. Um, There's a lot of dialogue about Mary, even though we don't know much about her. In the entire Bible, there's not one recorded word from Joseph. And he wasn't mute, okay? He's just not that important, or his words aren't. Nothing in Matthew or Luke... Uh, show in terms of, you know, you, you know what he's thinking, but there's not a word that comes of him. You see, faithfulness is easy when life goes according to the script that you write for it. You have a plan, and you anticipate how you're going to act in that plan. You have time to prepare for your plan. The problem with faithfulness is that it's risky when your script has been rejected. And it's risky when God steps in with his script and you discover that he's sort of thrown out your plan and he tells you to do this immediately and there's no time for rehearsals. And that is exactly what happens to Matthew in this moment. We read in Matthew 1.18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, before there were sexual relationships, she was found to be with child. Now let me finish, because this makes all the difference. She was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. That's very clear in Matthew and in Luke, who the father is. So here's Joseph's script that he has to throw out. I'm going to marry Mary. I'm going to settle down in Nazareth. I'm going to have lots of kids. I'm going to open a carpentry practice. And I'm going to call it Joseph and Sons Carpentry Shop. So in Matthew, all is going going according to Joseph's anticipated script. And he's well into phase two. I'm just months away from marrying Mary. And then God's script comes in. And it goes God's way. It says before they become man and wife and have the biologic child, Mary becomes pregnant with the cosmic child. And that's a little hard to handle. You need special information to believe that. 
Now, this is not a Christmas movie, but I, I think it applies to what maybe Joseph was feeling. Uh, I asked one of our millennials if they ever saw the, if he ever saw the movie Casablanca. He goes, oh yeah, of course. I look at all the classics. Okay. So it begins in a casino, in a, uh, with a casino owner in a Moroccan city, Casablanca. Uh, and, uh, he sees that walking through, uh, his casino is an old love from a, you know, from years before. And then there's a voiceover. And it says, and this is Humphrey Bogart, and I, I can't do a good impression. Of all the gin joints in all the town and all the world, she walks into mine. Where did, where did she come? I mean, there's tension right there from the very beginning, isn't there? Now, I don't know if Joseph thought of that. I'm sure he didn't see Casablanca. But imagine this, that Joseph finds out what's happening to Mary, and then he writes this. Of all the carpentry shops in all the town and all the world, she walks into mine. Because suddenly the perfect plan that he has, his own script, is upset. And he realizes that, you know, one half of this situation that I'm inheriting with Mary is quite obvious. The second half, he has no clue about. Mary is expecting. How she is expecting is open to speculation. But let's face it, we would usually choose the normal ways. Joseph knows he's not the father. He's sure of that. So there must be another man which makes it all the more humiliating because Joseph chose to be the good boy and to wait for the wedding night. And apparently Mary could not. As far as we know, no one speculates that Mary is with child by God's Holy Spirit. No one had ever dreamed that up before. Now, there had been one or two prophecies about a virgin birth, but nobody had, you know, put, you know, connected the dots in that way. No one mentions, so God has to reveal it, first to Mary, but he has to reveal it so that Joseph can believe it. And before God steps steps into Joseph's life, Joseph has some decisions to make. Now, think through all the major decisions you make in your life. Everyone, somewhere deep inside your soul, are what I call a, a set of core inner values. You maybe not even be able to state them. If someone said, you know, you always make your decisions based on this, you go, oh, no, I don't. But when you look at it, you do. You see, there's a lot of usual responses. Being a righteous man or a good man, as he's called, in verse 19, it says, because Joseph, her husband, again, just the betrothal at that time, was a righteous man. What does that mean? And, and he did not want her exposure to public disgrace. What does that mean? He had in mind to divorce her quietly. A righteous man means he'll do the right thing according to the law of Moses. He will know what the law of Moses is in the Torah, the first five books of, of the Old Testament, and then he will go about and do it. But even in the law of Moses, there's often wiggle room. Now, according to the law of Moses, uh, Leviticus 22 instructs the community to stone Mary and whoever her male partner was, for their immorality. Harsh, by our standards, still practiced in certain countries of the world. Or at least legal, if not practiced. Wow, that's the letter of the law. But there's also mercy or wiggle room, leniency. 
And so Joseph can take the option to divorce Mary quietly or very loudly, either one. And this ends his responsibility to Mary. And yet it, 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 you know, it lets the community know that he rejects all of her actions and I'm not responsible for this. We love the phrases that bring about balance. We, we just think, oh, that's so wise. Oh, who thought of that? Like peace with honor for those of you who remember Vietnam. Peace with honor. There was no peace and there was no honor. But that was what we were going for. Or how about this? I'm firm, but gentle. Dads, you tried that one? Okay. I'm firm, but I'm gentle. This was an issue of mercy and justice working together. Mercy within the law. Joseph uh, would allow Mary to live. No public disgrace there. He would allow her to move back to her home or stay in her home with her parents, have her baby and not bring death on her or shame to Joseph himself. And everybody would think, oh, yes, that's what a righteous man would really do. And Joseph's a righteous man. And he finds a way to keep his dignity and spare Mary, who is guilty as far as he's concerned. And it would also declare to all of Nazareth, as if it matters, like your neighbors, your friends don't matter, their opinions of you, It would declare to them that Joseph is not the baby's father. Which of those would we have normally chosen? If we were in that position. And then thirdly, I want you to understand that with Joseph and occasionally with us, there is what I call divine intervention option. God often has unexpected Cosmic, different, difficult, and very costly alternatives when he steps in. And that's exactly what happens here. See, there's a divine intervention and intention, the intention to fulfill a great prophecy. And it's laid out this way in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Fair enough. So Mary has this angelic uh, experience and Gabriel appears to her. Uh, Joseph has an angelic dream. Now, why couldn't Joseph take in another appearance? There's a lot of uh, you might say, theories about why Joseph needed a dream and Mary got an appearance. And they aren't very complimentary to Joseph or to his faith. But at least God speaks to him and it is a time in a, in a, a particular moment in time when he is able to hear God and accept what God is telling him. In fact, there are four dreams in Matthew's one, uh, Matthew 1 and 2, chapters 1 and 2. And in those dreams, God specifically tells uh, Joseph what he's supposed to do. And each time he does it. So it seems like it works for Joseph. And if it takes a dream, get a dream. Uh, so um, he, he has the dream. He listens. He seeks out Mary. He tells her what God has spoken. They're in agreement. Um, he agrees that the baby is no other man's child. 
but the first and the only time in all of the eons of creation that God the Holy Spirit steps in and impregnates a woman. Here's the message. This is God's baby. There'll be no quiet divorce. There'll be a quiet wedding. Fear not. And then there's some information given. She will give birth in verse 21 to a son. You are not to give him the name, but you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The baby is to be a boy. Got that one right. The baby is to be named Jesus. Boy, I'm glad that didn't get confused because I've been, you know, walking with Jesus for quite a while. Um, and Joseph's job as the, as the father in that in that time was to pick the name. So he knew what the name was supposed to be. And the name means God saves or God is savior. And so the baby will save, will be the savior of God's people. But not in the usual way. He's not going to save them from Rome. He's not going to save them from the Assyrian empire. He's not going to save them from the Greeks. He's going to save them from their sins. No other savior has ever come to do that. In essence, and I know we have four or five lawyers who are going to check me out on this, but in essence, in terms of the town reputation that, um, that, that Joseph would have had, by bringing Mary into his home, he was pleading no contest. Right? Maybe. Okay. I got a maybe a go-ahead. In other words, I, I'm not going to deny it. I'm just going to live with this and let the town say whatever it wants. And is he suffering humiliation? Probably. But there is an understanding here that still within, well, after that dream, there is an explanation, sort of a sidelight right there. And the sidelight is, uh, this completes a prophecy to its fullest amount. It is completely fulfilled. That the virgin will be, uh, will be with child and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. This is, it focuses on two things. Uh, the, the virgin will be with child, this would specifically mean that a woman who had no sexual relationships, not in the time of Isaiah, but completely fulfilled in Jesus' day, uh, that a, a virgin would be with child. And secondly, he's going to have the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us, which is the, the title that we love to use for Jesus. And we were singing about it today. Imagine first grade. Jesus shows up. Remember in first grade, the teacher reads out your full name and you then raise your hand? Goes around and finally she gets to this young boy and she goes, Josephson, Jesus Emmanuel, here teacher. That would be probably his full name. Now, what does it take for Joseph to, to move this way, to get to this place? He wakes from his, from his dream, and, and very simply, all we know is not that he continued to think about it anymore. He didn't go to a doctor to see if he was having, you know, why he was having bad dreams. He didn't seek a therapist. He didn't seek a, a, a priest. It says he just followed through. When Joseph awoke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. All he has is a memory of what happens in that dream. And he goes and he has a quick wedding, probably with the consent of Mary's heartbroken parents. Um, they quietly retreat to Joseph's house that he had prepared for Mary to be living in several months later. 
And instead of talking through the town of Nazareth about the great wedding of Joseph and Mary, instead they were talking about the new village idiot, and his name is Joseph. Here's a guy that is so gullible, I'm going to go sell him a bridge in London. Because God does not work that way. Human nature does not work that way. We've never seen this done. If someone was to say, impregnated by the Holy Spirit, we go, right, sure, right. The Christmas story, the Christmas account, is all about God's honor and what he accomplishes and human humility if they're willing to accept it. You think Christmas... And you have to see God in his divine disruption of human lives. You see Christmas and you have to see people humbling themselves to accept God's will for their lives. And throwing out their own script, their own will, the things that they had concocted, the assumptions they had about their lives for the future. We have a short video we want to show you because this is a little trailer of what you can see as you uh, go on to Right Now Media. So can we show that now? Children, come. Mary and Joseph had listened and obeyed. They were simply following God's plan. But many didn't understand it. The Bible says God's ways are not our ways. And when we follow his ways, we shouldn't be surprised when others don't understand. At the end of the day, Joseph may have lost some respect from people in the village. He likely tried unsuccessfully to convince many of his friends and family that his wife was still a virgin and the child she carried was by immaculate conception. But ultimately, he was not living for their approval, but for God's. Children, okay. Um, slight theological area, error. Uh, for those of you from a Catholic background, immaculate conception was for Mary's birth. Nod, right? Catholics? Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure I'm on top of things. Okay. Uh, and, and anyway, it, it, could, it could apply to both, but um, that, that's where we leave it. So we, we look at that video, and, and we understand that this shows uh, the results of, uh, of Joseph listening to God's angel. And you can catch up on, in about a 30-minute episode, 20 to 30-minute episode number three, by going on to Right Now Media. But let me ask this. In the last month, if any of you had an angel appearance, angelic appearance, please raise your hand. Okay. Not even one? And you're not expecting it either, are you? Okay. Well, let's tone it down a bit. An angelic dream. Me neither. We understand that this is how God often disrupts things. We understand that, you know, we should not be expecting this. But I want to leave you with this morning two simple clues of how when God is disrupting your life, you will know how he is at work. When God disrupts your life, as you look through scripture, there are some very consistent things. Now, you have to discern whether God is disrupting your life or you just did something really stupid. And I major on the second, okay? I've done a lot of stupid things in my life. And I can't say, oh, God, what are you trying to teach me? Sin not, Jim, okay? 
That's what he's teaching me. But understanding that when I do something stupid, I have to fess up and straighten up. But that wasn't true of Mary and Joseph. So God is disrupting their lives. And, and, and God is using the current circumstances to bring about his plan. Do you understand that sometimes disruption, when God's in it, when God is in it, he is also bringing you into his plan of salvation for the human race. And he's saying, will you take part? Will you join me in this? I'm, I'm looking for people who will be in under my command, who will humble themselves enough to be used by me. And let me disrupt your life. And here are two things that happen again and again. And this, I think, because it's Joseph, it appears, you know, it works for men and women. But it really worked for Joseph, and I think it works for a lot of men like us. Divine disruption will often be accompanied by these words, don't be afraid. Because you're being asked to do something for which you are totally unprepared. Now, if I were to guess why God so often begins his disruption in people's lives by saying, do not be afraid, the normal thing I'd come to, and see if this works, the normal conclusion is because we're afraid. God is asking for us something that is outside of our scripted plan for our lives. We don't feel competent. We don't feel experienced. We're not even sure we agree with it. Do not be afraid. What does he have to be afraid of? Well, it's not... This time, you know, he's very clear. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid about your reputation in this town. You're not going to be there very long anyway, okay? Uh, the next thing is, in, 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 in this encounter that he has, he's, he's not to be afraid that it's an angel speaking to him in a dream either. Um, but he can certainly be afraid of what God is asking of him. By taking her home, there's no such thing as an ugly divorce. There's no such thing as a quiet divorce. You will have a quiet wedding and you'll take Mary home as your wife. There is not another man involved. He assures him that this is done by the Holy Spirit. And so he says, Joseph, if you fear about your reputation or what people are going to think about you, drop it. doesn't matter. More than that, people are going to wonder about your sanity for believing her. But don't, don't worry about that either. Do not be afraid. And here's the second thing. It's so quick. Go. Here it says, take Mary home as your wife. But essentially what he's saying is, go. Do you know how many times God says, go after do not be afraid? He says, go. Now, I, I, before we, you know, we get into depth of this very wonderful word, go, do you understand that we live in a, in a society where we do everything by steps? Gradually, we get to the place where we believe we should be. There are 12 steps to sobriety. There are five stages of grief. There are seven laws of a leader. There are 12 days of Christmas, not 11, 
or you don't get the t- t- 12 drummers drumming, okay? We do everything by steps. We're people that, you know, agree to, to get there, we have to do these increments. All he tells Joseph is go. Abraham was to go to the land that God would show him. Moses was to go back to Egypt and speak to Pharaoh. Elijah was to go to Mount Carmel and challenge the prophets of Baal. And all the disciples were told to go and make disciples of all nations. Do not be afraid and go. Do not be afraid and go. Don't worry about your journal, though, you know, you can check your journal. Don't worry about seeking counsel from a lot of friends, though that's not a bad thing to do. Um, But go. A person with you, a person that you work with may be fired in the next few weeks. And you were kept. Do not be afraid. Go. A family member is now on hospice care. Nobody knows what to say to somebody who's dying. Do not be afraid. Go. The marriage of a friend is quickly heading towards divorce. It's gotten pretty sticky. There's legal issues. There's restraining orders. There's lawyers involved. Do not be afraid. Go. The teenage child of one of your neighbors has been arrested. Do not be afraid. Go. Like Joseph, when you go, you will not be able to fix every little event. But you will be God's faithful one. That's all Joseph was. God would know that when he said, Joseph, go, take Mary home as your wife, Joseph would do it. Not one word recorded of Joseph's dialogue. Very little about him. In fact, with the exception of Luke 1 and 2 and Matthew 1 and 2, he's forgotten. We believe he died way before Jesus came to adulthood. But we don't know. But he'll be remembered as the faithful one. Father, faithfulness. Faithfulness. When you disrupt our lives, when the script that we had planned on is jettisoned, when we find ourselves in uncharted territory and there's no map quest that works for this, do not be afraid. Go. What's your uncharted territory right now? What are the situations you've never been in a seminar, never trained for? Do not be afraid. Go. Father, thank you. Because that is exactly how you will prod us along. Nothing wrong with making plans. But understanding that you will, from time to time, step in and just change it all. 
we'll be doing it living life sort of like an improvisational comedian. We don't know where we're going next. And yet, you would not send us to places where you have not prepared us, where you will not empower us. And we thank you. And all of God's people said, Amen.